is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth delivers to all generations. Speaking of truth, let's talk about some for a little bit, shall we? For it is that time to dive in a little bit. Just give me uh just give me a few a few minutes. I'm gonna um try and treat it like a like a fire hydrant. I'm gonna squeeze it in so lock lock in, cause we're about to ride. <laughs> Got just just a just a just a few things that they want to want to uh discuss, bring to our attention, talk about you know this this day. faith is, is given to uh, paying respect, homage, uh, giving acknowledgement to the greatest of victories that has been given to us and the rising of our Savior and Him emptying the tomb because it meant so much and, and it, it, it wasn't just uh, this, this feat taking place that so few had ever seen happen before. It, it had so much more attached to it. The, the, the fate of the entire cosmos, the fate of the entire universe is hanging on the balance of the Son of God rising again and declaring that all power had been given over to him. And so what I'm, what I'm getting at is a lot of times what, what is talked about here uh, within this time is, is not uh, trying to break through into quote-unquote new ground, new territory uh, as, as far as sermon preaching is, is concerned. But I want to always make sure that, that I give challenge that anytime the Word of God breaks out and breaks forth, Scripture tells me that... It, grass with the flower fades but it is the word that stands so anytime the word is brought into the conversation I now have something that forever stands in the conversation whether I've heard it or not before okay so with these texts that we're about to go over and, and, and go through for a little bit my um, my subject for today is a sovereign sequence the sovereign sequence Really, I really got one point, but I'm going to take a ton of scripture to make my one point. I really just got one. Just one thing that I want us to walk to help us get to. But I'm about to take a roller coaster to help us get to it. And, and that, that one point in, in a nutshell is that no matter how chaotic it looks, there's a sovereign sequence that's still being weaved. And there is no greater illustration of this fact, of this reality, than what we celebrate today. Because there was an opposing force of darkness that was assured that they had victory and that it was over. This is done. We, 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 get, we got him. Yeah, that's it. Shut, let's shut this rabbi up even 
immediately. We got him on Friday, and we're good. They, they didn't have a Bible, so they couldn't flip pages forward. Didn't know that Sunday was coming. Didn't know that there was a rumbling that was about to take place in that borrowed tomb. Because of the sheer power of the glory coming in such a degree that everything that was dead. Do you, do you know that there, that there is an account of the story of the resurrection to where, to where the Lord wasn't the only one that got up that day? Yeah, yeah. The, the text in Matthew says that not only did the Lord get up, but, but the power of God came to such a degree and, and what happened in, in the finishing work of sin finally being dealt with came to such a cataclysmic height that graves opened up and people met their family members. Graves opened up. And you got folk who've been dead for 50, 100 years getting out the grave. Going to meet great, great grandchildren. What is this? Sovereign sequence. The sovereign sequence. But let's start. Let's start Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Y'all getting me excited already. Cue playing for me because I'm supposed to be praying and reading scripture and all of that. Hear how mellow it is. I wasn't supposed to get that excited that quick. I appreciate you though, sir. I appreciate you. Let's, uh, let's turn to uh, Gen Genesis 1. We're going to start at the beginning. There's something, there's something that I want to pull out. And, and then we're going to uh, uh, move forward to uh, John chapter 10. And I'll just be calling out the, the scriptures because um, I'm just grabbing from, from different places to, to, to make this point. But let's pray before we go on. Father, we once again acknowledge your presence and we say thank you. Can't say it enough. May there always be a sound of thanksgiving in my heart and a sound of thankfulness on my lips. Blessing the Lord at all times and his praise continually being in my mouth. Now that we've come to this time for the word uh, to come forth, we make space for you. <laughs> give, us, give us a little more insight, Lord, in, in, into the, the victory that you got. Give us a little more insight into, into the, the behind the scenes to this black eye that you gave to the devil and this black eye that you gave to the forces of darkness and how you stripped all powers and principalities that thought that they could forever hold us captive how you stripped them of everything that they had and you laid claim to victory once and for all and it being thousands of years ago you still hold it today and you'll hold it tomorrow Give us the insight. Holy Spirit, we're asking for you to be the master teacher, master communicator. No one does it better than you. I step out of the way. I ask you to help me preach it the same way that you gave it to me. Don't let me trip up on my own insecurities and my own thoughts about myself. And I'm thanking you to everybody in the room, everybody joining with us online, every person, including the one holding the microphone. We're about to walk away strengthened by the sovereign sequence that we will see within the threads of our life. In Jesus' name, if I got some agreement, somebody shout amen. 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 
Sovereign sequence. Sovereign sequence. So we're going to, um, like I said, we're going to start in Genesis 1, then we're going to roll to uh, John chapter 10. Going to be jumping on the scriptures fairly quickly, so I'll call them out and you can notate them. Go back and look at them yourself. Most of them I'm sure you're familiar with, but we're just going to pull, pull some things out. So like I was saying uh, in the beginning, sovereign sequence, just in, in a nutshell, it is important for us to, to understand that, that, that we, we serve the sovereign God. The, ter- the term sovereign meaning overarching, meaning the one who, who is supreme. There is nothing that he uh, subjects himself to, okay? He doesn't subject himself to anything for he stands outside of everything and gives everything else its life and sustenation. If he chooses not to do his job, we are in trouble because the scripture tells us that he holds, upholds all things by the word of his power. The word of his power. So, so the, the rumor of his power. I, I heard he got power. The word of his power. That's what upholds all things. So somebody always got to be talking about his power in order for all things to continue to be upheld. Which is why it's important that you always keep a praise. When you and I maintain and keep our praise, that is a part of making sure that the word of his power is always continuing to be reverberated and be talked about. Hence why I'm told to make sure that I always continually and constantly have something coming forth from me to where so much so the writer of Hebrews says that it is a sacrifice of praise sometimes, giving the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. In every situation and all circumstances, I have to make sure that I am giving forth the praise because it is a part of the assignment of the word of his power. Going forth and continuing to uphold all things. But, but. I wanted us to go to uh, Genesis 1 right quick because absolute famous text, even if you're not saved, don't even care about God, you, you've probably heard, heard about this. But, but there, there was this uh, video, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty old video, but I saw it um, on, on social media. And um, it, it, was this, it was this debate happening. It was this uh, scholastic debate happening between uh, a creationist and evolutionist. Uh, if, if you don't know what that means, creationist just means some, someone that, that believes in the God of the Bible. Someone that believes that, like we believe, that, that the world was made uh, by God and was made by, by, by the sequence of the text of Genesis. In the, in the way that it lays out, that's what we believe, so we will be considered creationists. Evolutionists are those who, who don't. Uh, subscribe to to that, and and they and they would say that things just came about randomly, and just this this cosmic splash happened, and we used to be amoeba, but then this cosmic boom and splash happened, and then all this stuff came into this divine order in 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 and of in and of itself. So it was a debate happening between uh, these two thought processes. It was three evolutionists and and one creationist. So there was a question that was given though uh, to the to the creationists by the evolutionist basically asking, I need you to tell me where God came from. If everything else that we see comes from something, uh, this carpet, these clothes, uh, everything that you take advantage of within your life, if if it came from something, and then we draw ourselves back to God as a creationist, if you draw yourself back to God, well, where did God come from? 
where, where, did, where did he, he start? So that questioning is, is asked to the creationist, to which he gave a, a, a brilliant answer, and, and he used this text. And I, and I wanted to talk a little bit about his answer and pull this text in because it just lays a fantastic groundwork for the fact of how God is so sovereign and how he laid it from the beginning that I am sovereign. So we don't, we don't go into the text of the word of God and later on find out that God is sovereign. God establishes from the beginning. From the beginning that this is who I am and this is how I separate myself in being other than and in a category completely by myself. The creationist said, he said, you, you, you're, you're asking the wrong question. For, for you to ask the question, where did God come from, means that you can't be talking about the God of this Bible. Because, because to talk about the God of this Bible is to talk about a God who stands outside of what he creates. Stands outside of what he creates, okay? So, so within, within our life, we're going, it's kind of, kind of a little bit of physics here, but just, just, just follow with me a little bit. We, in order to have anything within life, within our, our space, with, within the earth and within our, our physical reality, we have to have time, space, and matter. It, everything. We have to have time, space, and matter. And the very question of where, where does something come from, how is something created, is only a valid question inside of time, space, and matter. God in this text, let's just look at it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, next point. Time, space, and matter have to exist all at the same time. Time can't stand alone apart from matter and space. Matter can't stand alone apart from, apart from the other two. You've got to have all three constantly and together in order for life within our context to be made. And we see right here how that is a reality that God set in, in the beginning. Because here we go. In the beginning, time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter. God puts all three from the beginning in, in the text and saying that he, cre he created it. Now, how can he create it and then have to step into it for it to sustain him? There is no creating the heavens and the earth starting the clock of beginning and then stepping into it for it to, for it to sustain me. That makes no sense to which the creationist was given. God that I worship stands out subject saying that the God that we, the God that I worship stands outside of and sustains that which he creates. He would not create time and then put himself into it to be subjected by it. Because if he has to be subjected by the time that he made, he is not worth worshiping. He is not going to make matter and then have to force himself for matter to be able to sustain him. He sustains all matter he sustains all space and all of the universe and the universes that we know nothing about and would never know anything about he has the sustainment in and of himself to where if he got off track then all of that gets off track he does not subject himself to it but it is subjected to him so you're not talking about the right God you can't be talking about my God because the God that I worship is not subjected by that 
three in the in the first verse. Let's get it straight. In the beginning, I, God, created the heavens and the earth. Created the heavens and the earth. None of these exist individually. We see them all coming in together like that. We can't see them all coming together in this first verse. God who created these, the God who created these cannot come from these. It makes no sense. So the question of where did God come from is, is, an, is an irrelevant question. Is a completely irrelevant question because for him to come from means that there's something that makes and creates him. And there is nothing because he is the sustainer of all creation. And sets that, sets that precipice from the beginning. You know your Bible. The, the cross hadn't happened yet. The cross is a long time away. Yet the, the sovereign rule and sovereign establishment of who God is and the throne that he sits upon and the authority and the power in which he operates and walks in is set from the jump and set from the get-go that I am God and there is none beside me. I will not be put next to something to be compared to because if you're going to compare it to me, you're comparing something that I made and that came from me to me and that makes no sense for you to have to take something that is made by my hand and put it next to me and make me subject myself to it as if it can make me. You're not talking about the right God. You're not talking about the right God. Sovereign sequence. Sovereign sequence. And so the Lord from the get-go is setting and establishing that I am the sovereign. Moving forward all throughout creation, we're not going to go, you know, any further in Genesis, but, but you've read it. As he's laying out each day and creating everything that needs to be created in his genius-like fashion, set in the environment before he sets that thing in the environment. Man's environment was made before man showed up. Animal's environment was made before animal showed up. And in all this genius and all throughout scripture, we can look and ride the waves of scripture and see the story breaking forth. And now I want us to fast forward extremely to John chapter 10. Still hanging on to the fact that since the clock got started, the Lord has separated himself as the sovereign and not one that's going to subject himself. To the questionings of man as to where he came from. Now let's look, let's look at Jesus. Let, let's just look, look at this. This sovereignty being displayed throughout scripture. John chapter 10 uh, verse 17 to 18. I'm coming out the Passion Translation now. The Father has intense love for me. This is Jesus talking. Because I freely give my own life. I freely give my own life to raise it up again. This is, this is just one of my favorites. Like, if there, was, if there was ever a scripture where the Lord showed boss-like fashion, I know that ain't proper English, but if there was, if there was ever a text where, where the Lord set himself up as a B-O-S-S, a boss, it is this right here. I, I surrender. I, the Lord, surrender my own life, and no one has a power to take my life from me. Stop. The Lord was not in this weak, 
defensive, needing to be rescued type of posture when he was going through what he was going through on the cross. He was not in this defenseless position waiting for somebody to come and rescue him. He was not someone, I just heard, he was not someone that needed to have pity be put upon him. He was not looking for pity because he set, he set the record before it even got done. I surrender my own life. I surrender my own life. No one has the power to take my life from me. I have the authority to lay it down and the power to take it back again. This is the destiny my father has set before me. Leave, leave that scripture right there, please, Tristan. I surrender my own life. No one has the power to take my life from me. I have the authority to lay it down and the power to take it back again. Jesus speaks about his heart for the sheep that have been placed under his care. He's so devoted that he'll give his life for them, but always holding the option to take it back again. Always holding the option to take it back again. He was not one that was in a situation to where once he gave it away, it was something that was never going to return or come back to him again because he is the sustainer and holder of all life anyway. So being the sustainer and holder of all life, if he gave it away, he only gave it away with a string attached to it so that he could himself. Why? Bring it right back into himself. Why? Because, because for all of us, his life had to come back to him. Why? So that he could give it to us. The life that you now live. Talk to us, Paul. The life that I now live. Help me, Pastor Abby. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, so my, only, my only hope of life has to come from the fact that he still got his and got enough to give away so that I no longer have to stay in a dead situation and I no longer have to stay down. I no longer have to stay defeated, but I can get and be imparted into by his life. And now I am raised just as he is raised. I die when he died, but I am raised to life when he is raised. No man take my life. I laid it down. But don't, don't get upset. Don't trip. I'm going to take it back again. Laid it down for a reason. There's a mission that's got to be accomplished. I got somebody I need to rescue. I got somebody I need to rescue. There's a rescue mission that needs to happen. And, and, and my, my sovereign sequence is being challenged and I can't have that. The, the sovereignty of the plan that I have laid out is being challenged. And I got a problem with being challenged. I got, I, I got a problem with, with forces of darkness, with, with uh, a demoted angel. You do know the devil is a demoted angel. All right. The devil is not a, a bad co-equal of God. It's not good God versus co-equal bad devil. That's bad theology. That is wrong. The devil is the opposite of Michael. He is not the opposite of God. Okay? He is not the opposite of God. 
So stop giving him credence like that. Stop giving him press like that. He does not deserve that kind of press. You know, you know he's, he's the only being in the universe that's got at least one day a year where he's reminded of how he screwed up. It, like, like guaranteed at least one day. You know, here we remind him every time we get together. But at, at, least, at least one day. At least one day he know for sure on the calendar it is coming that he will be reminded that if you go to that tomb, it's empty. If you go to that tomb, it's empty. Authority to lay it down. Power to pick it up. Authority. Let me pull this up and we'll go to Matthew 26. Now, I pulled a a passion translation because I like how I put it. I have the authority to lay it down and the power to take it back again. So authority, this right here just means that Jesus was the only one that was duly qualified. To take on this mission. Now he's not the only one that that could lay down a life. But he was the only one that could lay it down and then take it back. And, And the job description for this rescue mission called for someone that was able to lay it down and also take it back. You, you can't just get involved with this because you got a hero complex. And, and, and you, you want to go on a rescue mission. You, you can't do that. Not with this. Not, not, not with the, the uh, uh, fullness of the universe and, and, and the, we- the wellness of the cosmos being on the line. Not, not, with, not with that at stake. And, that, and that's why God had to give his best. God couldn't look in the earth for someone, for someone to get this done. God had to go and look for the absolute best. And do you know that he emptied out the treasury of heaven when he sent his son? He did not see a heaven his leftovers he didn't send heaven's leftovers he gave the absolute best that heaven had to offer in the form of the prince of peace coming forward wrapping himself in Mary's womb and coming out God with us Emmanuel and being the one that says no man takes my life I lay it down and I will pick it back up again I pick it back up again. Saying what? That where you are in life, no matter how bad, no matter how off course, you need to know that sovereign sequence is working on your behalf. And no matter how off it looks, you are still in the hand of God. You're still there. And too often we get sucked into the trap that because my life is not flowing like I thought it would be by this time that there's something that is off course. No, you are not. Sovereign sequence is still working on your behalf. No man takes my life. Lay it down. You thought you were robbing me. Incorrect. I'll be back. Because I'll be back. I'll be back. Only one qualified. Only one qualified to do so, which is why he was able to make that statement. Give me Matthew 26, please. Matthew 26. 
I knew I was going to holler at least once or twice. So. I'm, just, I'm just meeting my quota, Elder Johnny, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> meeting my quota. Matthew 26, we're going to look at uh, 48 to 54. And then we're going to look at um, John 18. It's, gonna, it's a different variation of the same thing. Now, Judas, the traitor, had arranged to give them a signal that would identify Jesus. For he had told them, Jesus is the one whom I will kiss, so grab him. So, so we're in the garden, okay? We're, we're in the garden, and he's about to be uh, taking the trial. Judas quickly stepped up to Jesus and said, Shalom. Rabbi, and he kissed him on both cheeks. 50. My beloved friend, Jesus said. Mm. See, y'all, y'all can't be making noises like that. That's, that's, a different, that's a different message for a different day. I cannot go down that rabbit trail, but we will go there one day. Not today, though. My beloved friend, Jesus said. Is this why you've come? Then the armed man seized Jesus to arrest him. 51. But one of his disciples, we notice Peter, pulled out a dagger, swung it at the servant of the high priest, slashing off his ear. 52. Jesus said to Peter, put your dagger away, for all those who embrace violence will die by violence. This, this is what I want to get at right here. 53. Sovereign sequence. Authority. This, this, we, we, we are examining and looking at the authority that the Lord displays throughout this entire saga. Showing that there is not one area of weakness that he is operating in. One area of, of, of despair that is being shown as this is playing out on behalf of humanity. Don't you realize, this is the Lord, don't you realize that I could ask my heavenly father for angels to come at any time. To deliver me. And instantly he would answer me by sending 12 armies of the angelic host to come and to protect us. But that would thwart the prophetic plan of God. I can do it. I could shut this whole thing down with one call and it is over. But if I do that, I lose you. If I lean in more to something that comes out of my soul that says I'm tired of being in pain, I don't know if they're worth it anymore. If I were to lean into that, I can be rescued. And those who I want to be rescued can be rescued. But then the entire, the entire saga that has made its way through generations of prophetic utterance that there's one that is coming who will be likened unto Moses but will be greater. There's one that is coming that Abraham has to subject himself to. For Abraham was, I am. There's one that is coming and that, that entire prophetic plan will be lost if I do that. But the Thwart the prophetic, the prophetic plan of God, for it has been written that it would happen this way. 
that it would happen this way, implying that there is a what? Sovereign sequence of plan that is being weaved throughout the generations, throughout lifespan, throughout your days, throughout your journey. There is a sovereign sequence that you are on and that you are moving in and you might not always have a full clear picture of what that sequence is doing but you have to rest assured that because it came from the sovereign it is coming from a place that that knows no sense of loss and knows no sense of confusion thank you Jesus for God is not the author of confusion and if I am experiencing it of any kind I can guarantee that it did not come from God because there is a sense of sequencing within within the plan of God and within what it is that he does that he knows exactly what he is doing when he is doing it how he is doing it to the degree that it needs to be done so that his intended end the prophetic plan and prophetic call over your life is at, at the end of your journey you will be able to say it was accomplished sovereign sequence it has to happen this way of Janice had to happen that way so I had to subject myself to this uncomfortableness Season that I'd rather not have. We got to see that in the garden. He had a real moment. And said if there was some other way, I'd rather that. But not at the expense of me being outside the will of God. If it's going to call for that, then I, I, I don't want it. I don't want it. But let's look at the sequence. And this is what, this, this, this is what gives this day such an impact to us because we get to see in, in, in real time, in that sequence for the victory that we get to celebrate in today. That we get to celebrate in today. Now, give me John 18. This one right here. I don't even know if I've seen this before. That's why I had to bring it. I know, I know y'all read y'all Bible a lot and whatnot, and, and, and y'all probably saw it. I, I did not. I had not seen this before. In fact, I was developing another message until I saw this. This text right here gave birth to what I am saying today. Right now, this right here. All right, so this is John 18, 3 through 9, okay? The Pharisees and the leading priests had given Judas a large detachment of Roman soldiers and temple police to seize Jesus. Now, this is the garden scene again, but just from uh, Apostle John's eyes. Uh, Judas guided them to the garden, all of them carrying torches and lanterns and armed with swords and spears. Jesus, knowing full well what was about to happen, went out to the garden entrance to meet them. Stepping forward, he asked, who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they reply. Now, Judas the traitor was among them. He replied, I am he. Give me this next test. And the moment Jesus spoke the words, I am he, the mob fell backward to the ground. So once more, Jesus asked them, who are you looking for? As they stood up, they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I told you that I'm the one you're looking for. So if you want me, let these men go home. Last one. He said this to fulfill the prophecy he had spoken. Father not one of those you've given to me have been lost. Listen to this footnote. 
verse 6. This was a stunning event as the great I am spoke his name before those who sought to seize him. It is obvious in the text that they did not trip over each other in surprise. For every one of these strong men fell backward to the ground by the power of God. Jesus was in charge that night as the captain of the host of the Lord. They could not seize him unless he permitted them. They could not seize him unless he permitted them to do so. What a wonderful Savior who willingly submitted to the hands of cruel men to bring us the gift of salvation. No man takes my life. I lay it down. Who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. Power of God. Our first recognition of slain in the spirit. Right there. Power of God. Hits them so strong that they fall to the ground. We do not serve a weak savior. The men of all men. Who are you looking for? I'm him. No, stand, stand up. Stand up. Answer me again. Who are you looking for? Stumbling. Staggering to stand up. Now, I'm going to be honest. If I'm one of them, I'm in the mob, the first round, the first round of Jesus of Nazareth, we say that. I fall, and I, I didn't trip, and I'm staggering to stand up. I'm out. Like, I think y'all got the wrong guy. If y'all want to do that, I, no, I'm not going to be a part of that. Introduction of the power of God. Superseding into an environment. To give a quick reminder of who it was that was in charge of the entire thing. You know, when, when somebody overpower you, in a way, they feel some sense that they have a greater sense of authority over you. Because I can outmuscle you or outpower you. Or I have an ability to make a decision that you have to subject yourself to. I feel like I have some kind of greater power over you. Yet the Lord is putting, it, putting on display that I need you to know that the only reason that, that you've got it like that is because permission has been given by me and my father for you to be able to do so. So much so I didn't put this within our text, but let's talk about it. That he goes before Pilate and Pilate is asking him questions as to whether that he is the king of the Jews and when he said and when he sets the record straight with Pilate a part of his discourse is saying that Pilate the only reason that you have the authority that you have is because it was given to you by my father so I need you to hurry up and speed this thing along and stop talking to me as if you've got some kind of power over me just go ahead and make the call and make the decree so that I can move on and progress forward that this prophetic plan will be able to take place and I can get back who I need to get back and buy back and redeem who I need to redeem because there is a son and a daughter of God that needs to be raised up and many sons come into glory that the kingdom may be able to be ushered forth in the earth. So let's get this thing moving. Sovereign sequence. Power of God knocked them out. Even if I knew nothing about God, I'm like, I don't like what that was. I'm out of here. You call it God, you call it what you want. I got to leave. That's not normal. 
power of God. His, I am he. The moment that he spoke, I am he. I am he. Just a few more. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 8. Because now, so he gives, he gives a call, I am he. We know that, that he goes through what he goes through. Goes to the cross. He's resurrected on the third day. All power and authority being given over to him. Death, hell, and the grave. Sin. Lost their sting. Grave lost his victory. All opposing forces to the people of God. All opposing forces to humanity. Because this was done for the world. And I think sometimes that we as Christians sometimes forget that. That this was done for the world. That, that anyone who, who, who would come unto him. Anyone. He didn't do it for Christians. There was no such thing. Anyone. Whosoever will. Whosoever will. As inclusive as it can get. Whosoever will. Will call upon his name. Salvation will be given over to them. So, so this victory has been given as a gift that I must receive in order for it to be imparted and to impact me. Now let's look at uh, uh, some dialogue from Paul that, that shows the, <laughs> the absolute confusion and dumbness of those who, who it was taken away from. However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. It's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age, nor uh, did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. Instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before now in a mystery. So, so pri prior to this, Paul was talking about the, the hidden wisdom within the cross. Hidden wisdom in, in the Lord using the method of the cross to bring about the salvation that humanity needed. Because it seemed like something that was so elementary and so uh, non-related to the issue. We have such this grave issue as sin and, and the souls of men being damned to eternal judgment. And you're going to take a piece of wood to solve, to solve that problem. That, that's, that's what he's talking about. There was a wisdom that was hidden in that that you could only be given to by way of invitation to, to see it. Instead, we continually speak this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before now in a mystery. It is his secret plan, destined before the ages, to bring us into glory. Hey, none of the rulers of this present world order understood it. They thought they were winning. This, this guy is causing too much havoc. There are too many people getting excited about him. We are losing the grip of the nation. The Pharisees and Sadducees say, we are losing our grip on the nation. We're losing our grip and we can't keep them bound in the way that we need to so that our lifestyles can be sustained. We, we've got to get rid of this guy. None of the rulers of this present world understood it. For if they had, they never, never. If they got insight into what God was doing at that time, there's no way they would have crucified the Lord of shining 
glory. They thought they knew, but they had no idea, had no idea about what was really happening, the real sense of control that God was displaying. Now, give me Hebrews 5 and just give me a little bit of time to, to work this one here. Because now we're about to talk about what was really happening at that time. What was going on? They thought that it was a political execution. They thought it was an execution of an insurrectionist and somebody who was coming to, to come against the Roman Empire. That's how, they, that's how they played it against Pilate so that he would give the command for him to be crucified. Of course, he, he washes his hands, the text says, so that, he could, so that he could keep himself away from it. But he still has a sense of responsibility within it because he gave the command. They thought that they were just getting rid of this political rebel, a rebel rouser who was raising up the this insurrection against the Roman government. Get rid of it. But all the while, there's something else happening behind the scenes. Talk to us, Hebrews. For every high priest was chosen from among the people and appointed to represent them before God by presenting their gifts to God and offering sacrifices on their behalf. Verse 2. Since the high priest is also one who is clothed in weakness, he humbles himself by showing compassion to those who are ignorant of God's ways and stray from them. Give me verse 3 and, and, and let me just uh, build, build some context. So, so it, within the, the, the uh, religious wor worship structure uh, of, of Israel, they had to have a person who was called high priest who was selected out of their group. So God would look for someone within their group, pull them out and say, you are the high priest and you do my bidding. You do my bidding on their behalf. Problem. He's still just as problematic as the people that he came from. So because he, he, he's not hired, he might be dressed in different clothing and whatnot and got a different job description than everybody else, but he still came from them. So because he still came from them, he still stained with the same sin-sick condition that they had. So he has to have this sense of humility about himself whenever he's given those sacrifices and offerings on behalf of both the people and himself. And it's something that he continually had to do year after year as atonement to keep the hand of God away from them for another year. So, so that, that's a little context there. Verse 3, and for this reason, he has to not only present sin offerings, and no one takes this honor upon himself by being self-appointed. He, he don't choose himself. God chooses him. But God is the one who calls each one just as Aaron was called in Exodus. Verse 5, so also Christ was not self-appointed and did not glorify himself by becoming a high priest. If you read, read scripture, scripture says, uh, Paul said in Philippians, I believe, that he took on, took on the form of a servant. Took on the form of a servant. But, but God put him in the place of high priest, but God called and glorified him. For the father said to him, you are my favorite son, today I have fathered you. Verse 6, and in another scripture he says about this, this new priestly order, you are a priest like Melchizedek, a king priest forever. During Christ's days on earth, he pleaded with God, praying with passion and with tearful agony in the garden that God would spare him from death. And because of his perfect devotion, his prayer was answered and he was delivered. 
But even though he was a wonderful son, he learned to listen and obey through all his sufferings. And after being proven perfect in this way, he has now become the source of eternal salvation to all those who listen to him and obey. For God has designated him as the king priest who is over the priestly order of Melchizedek. So priests were selected by God to serve in the role on behalf of themselves and the people, offering continual sacrifices. Jesus also is selected by God to serve as priests on behalf of the people, offering a one-time sacrifice. Huge difference. Huge difference. So he is operating both as the sacrifice and the high priest at the same time as his arms are hanging. This is the secret wisdom that has been hidden from those who were the rulers of, the, of that present world. They saw criminal. Lord saw payment. What they looked at and called an execution. And finally our lives can get back to normal. Was an atonement. To take away finally the stain of the sin of the world. The sin of the world. That's why John the Baptist could say of him as he was in the distance. There he is. That's the lamb. The lamb who comes to take away the sin of the world. How was he going to be able to do that? Because he is the one that has been sent from heaven. And is the spotless, blemish free. I can't have just anything. Come and make, make this payment God sets it straight and sets, sets his order rather excuse me that this one's got to be spotless this one's got to be blameless this one's got to be as clean as clean can be and usually something something like that you know you know when you get something um cue cue or someone you you can play I'm, I'm wrapping up now when, when you get something like that most of the time you want to hold on to it. You, you know what I mean? I, anything that has such value, you, 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 you use it, tuck it away, you put it in your box that's got a code on it or, or something like that. But here we see, in order for sovereign sequence to be honored, the Lord took the absolute best. Could get no better. And gave him up and gave him away so that the payment could be made, so that the ransom could be satisfied, so that the payment in full could finally be rendered. And humanity could stop spinning its wheels in, main, in man made religious efforts trying to get back to God trying to bridge the gap of the, the glory separation all have sinned and fallen short of the glory the glory gap is closed and the bridge of Jesus now gives me opportunity to come back and be back in my rightful posture as a sin free son of God 
this is the goodness of what we celebrate. Give, give, me, uh, give me my last scripture, Tristan, and, and I'm done. I'm just going to read it because this, this is the, the cosmic impact that happened. This is the victory that we've been given that the rulers had no clue what was being achieved. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. To his cross and nailed thing we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. I, I want everybody to know about this. That that is no longer who you are. You, you, you no longer hold that posture. You no longer hold that identity. You have been freed. And so much so that I'm going to put it right here for you and everybody else who would question it to be seen. That's not who I am anymore. I don't answer to that name anymore. That was nailed. part of me is done nailed and moved away give me 15 please then Jesus after taking care of that on our behalf turns to the opposing forces and says you, you're not going to just get away for all the havoc that you've caused for my people for as long as you have then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to watch this accuse us the only thing that they can do is bring accusation that's what they did for so long they brought a sense of accusation but he stripped that away from them to where there is nothing they have within their arsenal to accuse you of not being who God said you are. They no longer have the right to do so. Stripped away every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Hallelujah. You have no enemy that hasn't been dealt with. Anything, anything that you deal with that brings a form of suffering is in violation to this right here. There's nothing within the arsenal that you don't have access to if you need to be able to handle that enemy. It's finished. It's finished. And the sovereign sequence is moving and flowing within your life. 
working on your behalf. Working on your behalf. And it is that victory that we get opportunity to celebrate today. He is alive. He is alive and well. He's doing, he's doing good. <laughs> in, in, in fact, he couldn't be doing any better. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Given a name above every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And it is the adoration and worship of our heart that flows to him because he is the one who is worthy. It was our anthem in worship today. It was beautiful. He's worthy. He is worthy. And I just wanted to come to us today and bring my one point of the sovereign sequence. As chaotic as all of that was, in him being led to an unfair trial, a trial at night, completely unfair, accused of things he did not do, slapped and harassed, persecuted, crucified, all for something he did not do. Becoming sin became it. He who knew no sin became it. Not went out and did something sinful, became the very essence of it so much so that the father could not look at him which is why he said father my God my God why do you forsake me in that moment God couldn't look at him I'm too holy to behold sin this is so cataclysmic the sun says I'm refusing to shine whole world gets dark this is too much the prince of God hanging like that hanging like a criminal too much too much I will not shine my brilliance on that even in that chaotic moment look at the sovereign sequence so why would I think that what's happening in my life is somehow off course and not in the hand of God of God is at work in your life. Come on, can we put our hands together and celebrate the Lord? Hallelujah. As you stand to your feet, please lift your hands. Let me bless you so you can go out and enjoy this great Easter. May the Lord bless you, keep you, establish you, cause his face to shine upon you, give you peace, and constantly remind you that there is a sequence at hand in your life and in your days. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed. Thank you so much for joining with us online. Listen, we love you. We'll see you next week. God bless you.